Okay, Proverbs, this is week eight. And we're doing good, right? And Proverbs is very much like uh, a parent talking to a child. I've got two children in here today, my own kids, so I'm going to be talking to them. They've already heard all these messages <laughs> before, but it's okay. I'm going to be talking to them today, but you, you get to be part of it. Also, I don't know that we've talked about this or not, but there are 31 Proverbs. And so you could basically, most months, you could just read one a month. If you want to read through Proverbs, if I know people that read it every month. Like they read through Proverbs every month because they, they like the benefit of, of seeing the wisdom that's in there. And so I just read through Proverbs again, and the goal was to learn about money. Okay, I know that some of you want to get up right now and walk out, but that's, it's going to be okay, I promise you. It's going to be okay. So Proverbs is a book of contrast. Um, like, it talks about the wise and the fool. It talks about the poor and the wealthy. It talks about the, the diligent and the lazy. It's making these contrasts all the way through. The generous and the greedy. And those with good hearts, those with evil hearts. And the goal of all of that is we become a better person, basically. Right? We're going to choose the right thing. We're not going to... Because some of those stories are kind of crazy that they use in there. Um, but it's to have better attitudes, better behavior, the best... How about the best behavior in the best attitudes? So what I found in my digging in there was I found 18 different words, and I know there are more than that, 18 different words that relate to money, to income, to inheritance, those kinds of things. And then I found 17 different words that relate to negativity with finances, maybe like uh, deceptive wages, um, poverty, those kinds of words. And there are easily over 100 proverbs that just talk about money. And so if we didn't talk about money in proverbs, to me it wouldn't be right. And even in the Bible, I just read someone who said there are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible about money. Do you think that God is concerned about money? He is, but it's a little different perspective than you might have thought about before. And in our, I believe our country is the best country in the world. And uh, it's also one of the richest countries in the world. People have a lot of money here compared. I mean, if you have been to a third world country, raise your hand. Not everybody has. It's a different world there, isn't it? Those countries where they don't maybe, they live in dirt. They, don't, they maybe have to eat dirt. I mean, like they don't know what they're going to eat for the next meal. Our world, we are so, so, so blessed. We should have the best, the most gratitude. Let's say it that way. We should have the most gratitude in our hearts. But you, as you know, not everybody does. They don't appreciate it. There's a lot of whining and fussing and carrying on about stuff, isn't it? The average credit card debt for the American family as of today is $6,270. And uh, but what if you reverse that and you were able to just pay, that, pay that much in cash? Like you, need, you needed something. Okay, I, I need to go buy something and I'm going to pay $6,270 for it. There have been many times in our lives where we could not pay that, right, children, my children back there? We did not have cash to pay that. We could not have. We'd have just gone more in debt if we needed to. The average American, one, has $90,460 in debt. That's including mortgages and, you know, cars and all of that. But that's one person. So, like, if it's a couple, we're up to 180000 Something is wrong with that picture. And, you know, God is not opposed to money. Um, Jesus had a treasure, right? Judas was his treasure, didn't do well in the job, but he was the treasure. 
and just, I was thinking about this. I mean, just think, here's Jesus going around to all these people. And what's he doing for them? Wonderful things. He's healing, he's restoring them. He's helping them. He's giving them a future and a hope. Don't you think some of them, especially the ones who'd been taught in tithing and giving, don't you think they'd probably be giving Jesus some money for them? I mean, not to pay him, but as an offering. Jesus had money. I really believe he did, and God's not opposed to it. All right. As usual, God is concerned about our hearts, where money's concerned. And so he's also concerned about when we have it, or even when we, when we don't have it, is our moving away from faith in him because we're starting to trust in money more. And so it, easily you can see it can become an idol, right? You can see that. It could become an idol if that's, okay, we've got to do this, and then we've got to do this, and then we've got to do this to get money. And it's the loving money that gets us in trouble, not the money. It's the loving, the heart issue. And so that's where it's warned, in the epistles it's warned about the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. All right, so Proverbs is going to give us some insight into God's perspective on money and how to resist that idol uh, of loving money. So the first thing is this, uh, my first big point is this, invest in understanding God's wisdom first. And that is a higher, a better, a more rewarding goal than seeking after pursuing money. Uh, in Proverbs 4, 7, in, um, in the NIV, it says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Did you hear what I just said? The beginning of wisdom is this, get it. In other words, we can have all this information out there, all this, but if we don't ever get it, so guess what? It's wise to get information. <laughs> just get it. Just get it. Though it cost all you have, whoa, though it cost all you have, get understanding. But I want to focus on this in the Passion Translation, which is a little different. <clears throat> and I like it because of the, the money-associated words in it. It says this, wisdom is the most valuable commodity. Now, commodity just means, commodity just means something valuable. I don't know how many of you are into stocks and trading and I know my husband is, he does that kind of stuff some. Um, but anyway, commodities are just mean something useful or something valuable, something to buy or sell. It's worth something. So wisdom is the most valuable commodity, so buy it. Revelation knowledge or under, okay, revelation knowledge is, you know when the light comes on when you're reading the word of God or, or someone's preaching is like, I never thought of that before. That's revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is what you need, so invest in it. In other words, invest in getting that revelation knowledge. Invest in understanding it. The wisdom and understanding of God, like it's talking about in Proverbs, isn't just being, like, smart. Like, I was a teacher, a principal. It isn't just about, like, getting those test scores. It's about really understanding God's ways and knowing him personally. Important thing. And this is a truth, too. We're talking about the wisdom, you know, understanding God's wisdom about things. His nature, God's nature, is always about growing, always about increasing. He told Noah in Genesis 8, 
that as long as we're on the earth, there's going to be seed time and harvest. What does that mean? We plant seeds, they grow. And that's a principle we'll see all through the Bible and just in nature. Seed time and harvest. And, um, okay, so when you're looking for a financial planner, do you look for the one who's lost their customers the most money? No, that would be stupid. So you look for people who help you grow your money, right? You look for people who can grow, and that's God, that's natural for us. That's, that's part of God in us, to grow things, to build things. Uh, anything you pursue costs you something. Like if you want to be the best golfer in the world, guess what you have to do? You spend money, you spend time, you spend energy, you spend focus, right, to be a good golfer? Or if you want to get a degree in something, you have to do those same kinds of things. And that is true um, with the wisdom of God and understanding him. Um, if you're truly pursuing the wisdom of God, you're going to pay one way or the other. And with God, you do pay one way or the other. You pay up front by investing in your, in, in your spiritual growth, in the word, in prayer, you in, going to um, equipping labs. You invest up front. And then in the end, you might not be paying the price of just being stupid spiritually. I'm sorry, but that's kind of, you know, kind of it. You either pay that price up front or you, later on you pay the price of making foolish decisions. So there is a price to pay for it. Um, some of the scriptures that talk about the value of the wisdom of God, um, in Proverbs, there's so many of them. There are so many of them in there. Uh, but those who find wisdom uh, and understanding gets better returns than gold. That's a good one. And then there's another one that says, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. And so there's just a lot of scriptures in the... I can't go through them all. I mean, we'd be reading the whole book if I was going through all of those. But with finances, we position our minds by putting God's ways ahead of our own or other people's ideas. And so that first point under this is position your mind by putting God's wisdom first. Okay? Um, the second thing I want to talk about under this topic is you position your heart now, your heart is not like your beating heart. It's not necessarily just your emotions. It's who you are. And so you position this heart in the area of finances by being generous. Right? What does it do if all of a sudden you're like generous in your giving to, uh, you know, like a birthday gift, for instance? You're really generous. It's so freeing in some ways. I mean, you got, might have to stay in a budget. And we're going to talk about that. But, you know, there is just such a freedom to be generous versus, oh, I've got to hang on. I can't pay more than this. And, you know, I mean, I'm okay with budget. Just I'm not saying that. But just having that heart of generosity. It says in uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 in the Passion, it says this, glorify God with all your wealth. And I like that part, all your wealth. Because sometimes we forget that it's more than just our paycheck coming to us. There's other money, other wealth that comes to us. Honoring him with your first fruits, with every increase that comes to you. 
then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. That one, you know, the passion translation is that it's passionate, like you, you know, this overwhelming blessings, uncontainable source of inner joy. But that, that's just some of, some of the truth about generosity. Um, I want to talk just for a minute about first fruits. I debated about this, but first fruits, um, when the people, people, this was an agriculture world, right? They had to plant their crops and grow them, and people helped with that and gave, made money and, and all that. So the first fruits, when they planted fruits, fruit plants, fruit trees, a new one, a little baby one, okay, it took three years just to grow it until there was fruit producing. So they were not to touch that fruit for three years. And actually, the fourth year was the year they could touch it, but guess what? It all went to God. Every, all that fourth year crop went to Jesus. Now, he's not asking us to give up everything. <laughs> you know, like our whole year's income is good. this year is going to go to God. But he did ask them to do that particular thing. And, and it was all about um, recognizing that God was their source. That's really what that was about. And so when you see the word first fruits, in the New Testament, Jesus is called the first fruit. And we are called first fruits because we are God's, I don't know, fruit. We're his fruit, fruities, fruit, <laughs> we're his fruits. Okay, so that was, for three years it was forbidden. The fourth year they had to give it all. So it wasn't until the fifth year that they could eat its fruit. And what it says is this, in this way your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. And so that was all about increase. That was his method of, in, you know, grow it, prune it, grow it, prune it, grow it, prune it, harvest, give it, grow it, eat it. Give it and eat it. So they always were supposed to give too. Um, and then when this was early on, then when Moses got into uh, the promised land or when they were about to go into the promised land, Moses gave the people instruction and he talked about tithing, giving the 10%. But then he, he always, and, and tithing, tithing and offerings are always, almost always mentioned together. He always just give more than that. Tithing is like the bottom of the barrel. Like in giving, it's the, such a basic thing. Okay, but then he talked about giving beyond that too. And so when we position our heart in the area of, you know, acquiring this wisdom, we position our heart by just being generous, by giving more. Um, and I'll tell you this, stingy people are generally unhappy people. As a matter of fact, Proverbs says it, the stingy are eager to get rich and don't know poverty awaits them. <laughs> it's like, that's, Yeah. And one person gives freely, and like I said, the contrast, one person gives freely and yet gains more. Another person withholds unduly and comes to poverty. So those are just some of the scriptures. But it's always about positioning our hearts with God. Okay. So the first part is investing in understanding God's kingdom. The second one is then invest in living righteously. And the reason I talk about this is we're asked to be doers of the word. Like we can sit in church and hear a really good message and think that we are super spiritual, but we forget about doing it outside this door, like really being who God's called us to be. And so that's why I put this second, 
this whole second step in here is in, start investing in that. Take that word now and invest in living God's way. Be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. And the, the scary part about not being the doer, the Bible says we're deceived. We're deceived. And that's no small thing. The Bible talks about the end times and the people being, being deceived because they believe lies. They haven't stayed close to truth. And so it's extremely, extremely important. Okay. Uh, good character and attitudes are rewarded by God and are tied to blessings. Okay, so here's, here's one scripture. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Now, we know that in, in Proverbs, it's not like every little thing is like a guarantee. Remember, I'm, I'm telling my kids back there that, okay, if you work hard in school, remember those words? I was te their teacher and principal lots of times. If you work hard in school, you're going to do better. Okay, they worked hard in school most of the time. Some of them did, some of them didn't as much, but you know, they worked hard in school and they, they had the blessing of doing that. So that's kind of like how Proverbs is. It's not like this guarantee that you're going to get all this stuff. But generally, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Uh, in, the, in the Passion Translation, it says the lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true. This is the passion. An abundant life drenched with favor and a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. I love that. But generally what you'll see in Proverbs about living righteously are words like this. Diligence. Hard work. Giving generously. Giving to the poor. Integrity. Uh, disciplined living and disciplined speaking. Those are the kinds of things you, you read in Proverbs, and I can't go through all those scriptures. But then bad character and attitudes have a negative impact and are tied to evil results. And this is just a sample verse. The greedy bring, or bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. So we see that bribes are bad in that, and we see that the that greediness is bad. Um, many of you know the story, or the story, the picture in Proverbs of the ant, right? How many know, have you, you've read about the ant in Proverbs before? And, and those of, and I watched an ant not too long ago. Do you know, have you noticed what they can carry on their backs? It's kind of crazy. It's like, how, how can it even support, I don't know the physics, how can it support this thing on its back? But the ant is used as one of these pictures in Proverbs. And it, it, says that the, it says, look at the ant, sluggard, or lazy person. And then it talks, it, it's, it talks about how this ant doesn't have a boss telling him what to do. He's just out there working. He's just doing what he knows to do. And, if you, and, and uh, how long are you going to lie there, sluggard? This is the comparison. How long are you going to lie there, lazy person? Think about the ant. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief. Now there's a picture. And so that's just an illustration in Proverbs of how um, working hard is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We know that it can be taken too far. Like everything else, we're finding the middle place in this. We know that there are workaholics who work too much. Okay. Um, 
this one I like too. Don't turn aside from what I tell you uh, so strangers don't feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. In other words, your money is all going over to somebody else. He also gave commands about helping the poor. It's mentioned many times. The treatment of the poor is often mentioned in the Proverbs with warnings. And the church has a responsibility to help the poor. That's for sure. Um, he talks about, you know, and Jesus said the poor are always going to be with us. So it's not like, you know, that's, it's going to just go away for sure. But oppressing the poor to gain wealth is wrong. Um, and then it says if the generous share with the poor, they'll be blessed. He also said, this I think is interesting. He, Lord says he will take up their case if someone tries to crush the needy in court. I, I, I want to be on God's side in that case because uh, he says he's going to take up their case even in court. And then if you become wealthy by taking from the poor and that Lord's going to give your money to someone who's kind to the poor. These are general principles and I believe they, it happens. Some other things that I'm talking now about, the, the things that, the, like the bad character kinds of things, it says Proverbs warns about co-signing loans for those you don't know well or you know well enough to know they're not going to pay back. They're going to put your family in jeopardy. Okay? Uh, some of the words in Proverbs uh, are ill-gotten gain, dishonest money, chasing fantasies instead of working, foolish living, accepting bribes, stealing from your parents... That's wrong. Uh, deceiving your customers and your vendors that, and fraud. It talks about those kinds of things. But in general, God rewards that good behavior and good attitudes and their conse evil consequences for bad behavior and bad attitudes. So we want to invest heavily in living the way the Bible teaches and living righteously. The third thing I want to talk about here is invest in your future and your children's future. And actually it says your children's children too. Um, and this is Proverbs 13 verse 22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up again for the righteous. That's, that's, that's good for the righteous people. The sinner's wealth is stored up for them. And if you don't have children, you guess what? You can bless a whole lot of other children. Okay? But... Um, it's important, you know, why, why, do we, why does God want us to think about the future like that? Because if you don't think about the future, how are you living? Usually selfishly, right? If you don't have any future to be concerned about, you know, <laughs> we're just thinking of my father, passed away almost 20 years ago. Um, when he was a kid, now remember their world, they didn't have like social media. I know, it's a strange concept. So my dad would get his information as a child from maybe the radio or maybe what his crazy uncle used to tell him, because he had a crazy uncle, would tell him this stuff, and they would hear about the end of the world coming. Like, that was, I mean, that was a thing, and it was, was like, they took it like, okay, at least my dad as a little kid did. And he decided, I can't remember what he did, but he did, he spent some money on something. And I remember one time he, he buried his jackknife for some reason, never did find it. But anyway, um, people have this idea about um, end times and you know all of that, but we still live as if we're gonna be here forever, but we plan as if we're going to heaven tomorrow, right? 
We plan as if we're going to heaven tomorrow. But the one who puts earning money above his family will have trouble at home, but those who refuse to exploit others will live in peace. That's Proverbs 15, 27. And maybe you have all the money you need and want right now, but most people don't. They need a plan. And the reason it's so important to be thinking about your children, your future, your children's children, why that is so important is it takes us, it kind of gives us purpose, right? It takes us past this selfish kind of living to, okay, do I really need, I don't know, pick, pick something that's frivolous. Do I really need that? Or should I be thinking about my children? Not that you can't enjoy, I'm not saying don't enjoy life because I believe in that. But sometimes just doing that helps us to make better decisions today about tomorrow. Some of you may feel like your financial situation is hopeless, but that is never true with God. He is the God of the impossible. I have seen people with financial messes get that thing turned around. Now, was it work? Yes, it was work. So, in order to get to that place, what I'm saying is invest in understanding God's kingdom, then invest in living that way. Third, let's come up with a plan here to invest in our future, in our children's future. Okay, so do those two steps first. Now you're ready to begin your strategy. Now this doesn't have to, t I'm not talking about years and years. I'm basically talking about make a decision. Make a decision to put God's word first. Make a decision to obey God's word. You can do that today, then tomorrow let's come up with our strategy. <laughs> right? I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. There's no perfect in, in this side of Jesus. We have that to look forward to. Number one, get some good financial advice. Are you going to go to the one that's losing money for people? No. Are you going to go to a good friend who understands finances? Maybe. A good friend who's done well in finances? You could. You can, you can pay people to help you with that. Um, Cody, we haven't talked about this, but you know there is the Financial Peace University, which I, I highly... How many of you have taken the Financial Peace University? Oh, wow, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I have two. Uh, Life-changing, right? It can be. Or you can just say, nah, that's, that's going into my finances. I'm not messing with that. So it's always your attitude, isn't it? But get some good financial advice. Become a person who ties and gives generously. You know, there's a scripture in Malachi about tithing that I love. And it says, when you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, meaning where you get fed, bring your whole tithe in, God rebukes the devourer for you. That's quite a blessing. That's quite a blessing. Anyway, be a tither, be a giver. Um, then figure out how you're going to get out of debt. Because isn't debt bondage? I mean, seriously, it is, it's, Jesus said he came to make us free. I'm not against all debt, I mean, buying a, mortgage, you know, buying a home with a mortgage is likely the way most people in the world have to do it, but it's other stuff that mounts, you know, stuff you don't really need or, you know, those kinds of things. But there's a way to get out. If you're in a mess like that, there's a way to get out. Um, it's going to take work, though. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. Uh, put your family and others above 
financial gain. In other words, make decisions that are going to bless your family, not just your bank account. No, God can do both. But if you aren't taking your family into consideration in your decisions about money, you are, you're making a mistake. And if you haven't noticed, using God's money his way requires a complete commitment to him. And it's always, it always goes back to our hearts before God. He is asking for everything, right? He is asking for our whole lives. He's asking for this area. And some of you, when I started talking about money, I have a feeling that, <laughs> what you got to say? You know, something went up in you because it's an area you haven't given to God yet. But he can set you free in that. He can set you free. The same way he can set you free to dance and worship before him. He can set you free to do that. But God's nature is always about growing. Seed time and harvest. Growing. So his nature is for you to have more. It is not God's will for you to be poor and without and never have anything. That isn't, would you want that for your kids? No. He's a good God. I just, I added this verse. I just saw this one. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. We didn't talk about contentment, but there is that too. Be content with what you have because God has said this. You are going to love this. God has said, now I, said, I just said, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It goes back to just plain trusting him, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, I don't know if we pay the tithe this month. We're not going to. Lord, you said, never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me. And I haven't even talked today about all the promises for the believer in the area of finances. I didn't talk about all of that today. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence. This is the speaking part. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And some of you uh, parents, that's what you need to, to say to your family. Kids should not grow up, oh, we don't have enough money. We didn't, honestly, we didn't have enough money. But I would tell my kids, we're not going to spend our money that way. I wouldn't say we don't have enough. But we, you know, so they didn't, I didn't want them, but they knew we had nothing. Many times, Jess paid for her own school pictures, her camp, her clothes. We, she made more money than us probably, but uh, we were in a rough place. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, because of Jesus, not because of us, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? <laughs> That's what it says, seriously. Anyway, 
Wisdom is this valuable commodity. So buy it. Revelation knowledge is what you need, so invest in it. He's asking us to invest in the kingdom, to invest in ourselves by living righteously, and then to invest in our future, our children's, our children's children, um, really in every area of our lives, but today I'm just talking about money. And so we make these choices to honor God with our finances. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you that you are with us. You're never leaving us. You're never forsaking us. We might feel like we have to go out on a limb to be able to be a tither and a giver, but, Lord, you will help us. And so we can confidently say, you are our helper. You are our helper, Lord. And I ask, Lord, in this area of finances, give these people, Lord, all of these individuals before you, Lord. Give them the wisdom they need in areas where they need help. Father, I was there at one time. I get it 100%. You have blessed me. You have blessed our family. And that's what you want for all. Thank you, Father, for hearing our hearts for hearing our hearts in Jesus' name. We have that little jar over there, and we've been putting things in that we had to hand over to Jesus. And I think there are, I don't know, there are pieces of paper over there and pens, and if today, you can put anything in there you want, but today, if it's the finances, this would be a good time to just say, Lord, I need help with my finances, or whatever it happens to be that you need, so. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah.